Hi, this is James Chow. And this is Hannah Gatahun. And you're listening to Beach Weekly, a news podcast from the Daily 49er at Long Beach State. Beach Weekly! So women's tennis has been having a season going 14-5. and five, They're pretty up there to win uh, the Big West Tournament starting on Friday, uh, the day this podcast is set to be released. Um, while, of course, the tennis players have been huge in this impressive record, a major part of that success can be attributed to one person, and that's tennis head coach Jenny Hilt-Costello. Yep. I'm here with Manny Valladares, who helped co-write the story with sports editor Kevin Colindres on the women's tennis team leading up to the tournament. Hey, everyone. Glad to be here, and I'm really glad to be talking about tennis today. Oh, yeah. This is your first time? Yeah, this is my first time. Ooh. Wow, Pretty exciting. for that. Yeah, I know. Well, Beach Weekly first. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so tell me, Manny. So Hilt Castillo has been coaching for 21 years at Long Beach State, right? Yeah. So what's kind of been, like, the secret to her success? Like, how has the tennis team been so successful over the years? Well, honestly, like, a lot to it has to do with the scouting. She does, like, a great job of bringing in players when she was like speaking with me, you could really tell she was very passionate about the way she would sort of look at players, the way she would evaluate them. You know, maybe even if they weren't the most talented, they at least showed signs of having talent and then showing signs of improvement and willing to improve. And I feel like that's a very admirable sort of thing to do, which is why she's been so successful. How does she find these players? Because looking at this article, there's only so many Americans. They're all from around the world, right? Yeah. Um, there's only one American on the team, right? Yes, from this California. Season. Yeah. So where does she find these players? Well, you know, a lot of it has to do with sort of like scouting, sort of like networks, areas that she sort of like finds her like scouting assignments because she does most of the work herself along with her assistant coach, Ashley Antal. It's really intriguing just the way how she sort of like uses all these things that are sort of offered to her in regards to scouting. And she tends to like use those resources a lot in international players. Because although like there are players that are in this country, they really aren't interested in coming to Long Beach State for the most part. So she really hones in on just looking at international players, maybe ones that aren't getting noticed enough, or maybe ones that she thinks that she can convince to come over here. It just shows that sort of the resources she's been given, she's been making the most out of them. How do these players come and find Long Beach State? Are they signing in clips to LBSU Athletics and like she's been sifting through them or how does that work? Yeah, like, like their player the records yeah. or like a tape of them playing tennis? Yeah, well usually like the records and tournament kind of stuff they usually have at hand. You know, they'll like make initial contact and then from there the coach will be like, can you send me some like workout videos, pretty much just clips and like moments of like them sort of showing off their sort of skill sets, what they're good at. One player in particular that's mentioned in the article, Zara Lennon, she uh, pretty much describes her sort of experience with it. And, you know, I feel like it's a great summation for what most players are probably expecting because although they don't know how the coach will react, they just pretty much do their games through tape. And I find that to be very unique because of the fact that they don't know whether or not they're doing things properly or whether they're any good but the fact that you know they're just sending in those tapes pretty much just with blind trust hoping that it goes well is honestly noteworthy to me. Zara Lennon you said she found the competition in her home country pretty lackluster. It's unfortunate honestly. Yeah. Yeah so like how has the competition kind of fared for her at Long Beach State from what you've seen? Yeah she does have like plenty of experience under her belt It's something that you do get to see glimpses of it in her game. 
the one thing I'd probably say is uh, she's struggled a lot this season. She was like pretty much almost the entire year at the fourth sort of singles roster spot since there are like six roster spots in their tennis roster, four singles. And yeah, she pretty much just spent most of the year at the fourth spot until like, you know, her performance started dropping and she ended up at one point being at the fifth spot. You know, I believe she played sixth at one point as well. Well, pretty much the gist is that she's been underperforming, I guess you could say. Although she is a freshman, she has a lot of room to grow. She has plenty of time to work on her game. So we'll see about that in the future. Is it, is it like a culture shock coming here for some of the players? Because looking at the rosters and things, they're from everywhere. Like Zara Lennon, she's from... What is it? Mauritius. Mauritius. Is that yeah. how you say it? Okay. Yeah, it's so interesting. Because I've actually not heard of this country until looking at your article right now. It must be so different there. Just like coming from all these different countries and showing up to America. What was their kind of like first time experiences? They were pretty much like fishes out of water. It's so surprising to me that these players, they accept these requests, you know, to like pretty much like come over here to Long Beach and all of the ones that I talked to, they had never stepped foot on the campus before that. The first time they stepped on campus was like in August when they were like heading into class or like getting to their dorms. And I just thought that was so weird on how they just completely put themselves into that scenario. So it definitely is a culture shock. And luckily, you know, they're pretty much veteran player Natalia Munoz, who's from here in California. She has really sort of helped them get through that culture shock and just pretty much get accustomed to being in Long Beach. Circling back to the person who's been helping put this team together, Hilt, uh, Jenny Hilt Costello. Yeah. So you mentioned her, her hard work in recruiting all these people and trying to find the best athletes that she can get. But how has her impact been on the court? I say that her impact on the court has sort of shown itself very well. One sort of instance that I noticed barely starting out in tennis, the team went on a 6-0 and win streak, and I thought it was really impressive. Like, I would watch their tennis. Yeah, for the most part, they're playing really well. But from the sense that I was getting from her over that stretch, you could tell that she wasn't 100% comfortable with the tennis that they were playing, and it wasn't really shown until their first loss of the season against San Diego, where... Uh, you were really able to see how a team was able to capitalize on their weaknesses, which tends to happen with a very young team. And the next game, you could tell that she really put her footing into the team because based off of percentages, they were playing very recklessly, which ended up costing them games and matches. But at that next game, you could very well tell that they were making sure that their shots were more calculated. They were making sure they weren't getting taken advantage of by their opponents. And you could really tell that Jenny really inserted into their minds that like, hey, like, you know, if we're going to try to win games together, we got to make sure that we're playing the percentages, we're doing our best to keep a nice level head. And she's done a great job of taking care of them and calming their nerves down for a lot of like, you know, young players and then also like developing them into becoming actual players. another boring week 
ASI looked over its budget. It's $18 million budget, which is a lot of money. But numbers, they're still a little boring. However, Perry's here to make these numbers fun. <laughs> Hi, Perry. That is like a Sisyphean task you have just like put on me. Sorry about <laughs> that. Now, okay. now, now the audience wants fun. So okay. you have to give it to them. I'm fun. So what basically what's happening is they've taken this like massive document that's just 54 pages and each senator has taken a different department. One senator has Beach Pride events. That is uh, Senator Aaron Jordan. And it's interesting. It's, it's interesting to me hearing him talk about that specific aspect of it because he was talking about, well, Beach Pride might be involved with graduation and he had plans for that. So this is an avenue for change. I mean, even it's pretty small, but he said, I would like to have fireworks at graduation because he views graduation as something that is applicable to every student rather than like the Daniel Caesar event, which he said that not every student gets to go to. So he views that as an equal way of distributing the funds. So that's interesting. And you know, it affects uh, the 600 people employed by ASI, which is, you know, it's important. It their salaries, keeping up with that, keeping up with benefits, um, cost of living increases. It is dry, but it is very important. Did any of the senators have actual experience looking over budgets? Oh no, that was my favorite part. Richard Holler, was just like at the beginning he said oh do we have any accounting majors and it was just like dead silence he just had like these like dead eyes looking at him and he goes well any financing majors and then just like still silence and then he gave this kind of sorrowful laugh he just like had this little laugh and he was like okay well i guess we're starting from scratch so that that is interesting to me that you have 18 million dollars what is being done with it is being handled by people who have no experience with this and it's, you know, a very technical document. I looked over pieces of it and it was just like number after number after number. I, I shouldn't put too much of my own opinion in this, but like it is interesting that these people who have no experience with this are determining what is going to be done with numbers of dollars put towards office supplies, put towards health insurance, put towards payroll. Apparently it's been looked over by the USU Board of Trustees. So it's already been approved for that. So this seems to be more of like smaller tweaks and Richard Holler is overseeing the thing but that just does seem interesting to me. So do they the senators do they like allocate the resources over the year or is it it's for figure... the 2019-2020 uh, school year which okay. is beginning the summer semester. They're deciding that so each senator has one or two areas that they're looking at the budget for and they will be uh, questioning the people on those boards about what if there was $200,000 being put towards hospitality? You know, that's something that you'd have to check on. So, I mean, they're looking for, you know, possible issues like that. That's an extreme one, but, you know, they're going to be interviewing the people whose funding they're looking at, and they're going to be saying, you know, oh, well, you put $1,500 for office supplies. Doesn't that seem a little bit much? So after those conversations and after they figure everything out, they can vote to alter the funding. They can add some, subtract some, they are a nonprofit, so it does have to essentially come out to zero, so they can't just throw money around. Is there anything on the budget that senators were like trying to advocate to have more funding over or like certain issues? I know that Senator McDonald was influenced by athletics, and I believe that that is the area that she's overseeing, so I'm sure that she'll have some ideas. Other than that, everyone seemed to be digesting the idea, like trying to you know wrap their heads around exactly what they would be doing. 
That'd be interesting to see if they have any like weird expenditures, you know? Yeah, because it is an eighteen. It's a fifty. I, I, I'm gonna look over it. Yeah. I mean, it's uh, I got nothing better to do. It's about fifty-four pages, and it's a spreadsheet, and so. But you know that that could be fun. It's like, well, what are they spending on paper clips in you know the student recreational and wellness center? You know, that's true. Because that one apparently is a huge. Uh, that that one, the amount of money that is put into that is just massive. And the amount of money, clips? not paper clips, not paper clips, oh. the Student Recreation Wellness Center. Oh, okay. Oh. Uh, <laughs> that one, the amount of money put in there is massive. You know, like Beach Pride events, like the Daniel Caesar event, that required a fair amount of money to start. So it'll be cool to get kind of a peek behind the curtain to see exactly where funds are going, that and is true. what's generating funds too. Because I know that like sports lately has been doing incredibly, um, in terms of the revenue. It's gaining like with men's volleyball like i know they sold out the pyramid yeah that's yeah. a it's a lot of money Wednesday evening, Long Beach State Assistant Men's Volleyball Coach Scott Tuzinski stepped down from his position. Our beat writer, Brian Aparicio, covered the departure, but our sports editor here, Kevin Kalinjas, is here to talk about the, the predicament. Yo, yo, what's up? I'm back. You know, you got, y'all know me from Chug It, the, uh, the, the brother-sister podcast, you know, on the other side of this wonderful publication, but... We do have some breaking news. We found out through um, Alex Manfredi, our deputy sports editor, sent me a quick text, said, did you see this? And I said, oh, I did not. And once I found out, I was like, this is a story. So I hit up our boy, Brian Aparicio, said, yo, I need you to dish out something. And he did dish out something. So you guys could find that on our broken website. (laughs) (laughs) And in print. But yeah, I mean, basically, from what I know and what I've read, he left on his own terms. What many people believe is that it's related to the sexual misconduct kind of thing he's going through right now with USA Volleyball. They're pretty much investigating an underage female athlete he might have conducted sexually with. There hasn't really been much said. The story about that came out in the press telegram. It's pretty interesting timing, these stories coming out. There's also Hawaii's head coach. He's actually under investigation for the exact same thing. So I don't know how they're going to handle that, if he'll step down. or I think Scott stepped down because he didn't want to be a distraction for the team because it is kind of a big deal, you know, in the, in the like kind of like the Me Too era we live now. It'll blow up eventually, and the team doesn't really need that with the NCAA tournament coming around the corner two more weeks, less than two weeks. So pretty big news out here. Yeah. Are sexual misconduct allegations like pretty common in sports? Oh yeah, that's it's a it's horrible, but it's it's very common. I mean, I'm sure it happens a lot and a lot of it isn't covered or just a lot of females won't come out. Especially in like the journalism world. Like there's sports reporters that are women that get harassed a lot. There's a this week actually there's been lots of stories about that with coaches and players and stuff so it is a big deal especially with athletes I mean coaches and athletes I guess you do see that more in like you know coaching like co-ed or like coaching females so it's shocking and has Scott said anything about you know the allegations or just about stepping down from his position 
Uh, all, he did come out with a quote. I, I had it in the story, but he basically didn't say anything about the allegation. He just said, like, he didn't want to be a distraction for the team. And I guess most people could pinpoint that to the sexual misconduct allegations. And what's kind of been Scott's impact as an assistant coach on the men's volleyball team? Well, he's, I mean, uh, like all coaches, like he's, you know, he helps player development. He obviously was part of the team last year when they won the championship and this year only losing two games. So he has history. He played here. He's an Olympic gold medalist as well for volleyball. So he brought a lot of experience to the team and just the Long Beach connection, you know, like he came back and wanted to help out. So without Coach Tuzinski, do you think that'll be a detriment to the team or? Um, I don't think it would be a big detriment. You know, Coach Alan Knipe is the guy in charge. He's the one that like is really one of the cornerstones to this team. So they'll find another assistant this week in a few days probably to kind of help fill that role. I mean, if players were distracted by the actual like allegations and it's probably best that he's not there anyways and have any uh players broke any silence about this not yet uh, it's still pretty fresh and i'm sure they're more focused on winning a championship but i'm sure in the coming weeks there'll be a lot more the bigger thing about this story is whether uh, athletic director andy fee knew about these allegations before hiring we're still not completely sure if fee was the one that hired him or the ex um, athletic director Vic Siegels. So we're still trying to find out more information about that. So the allegations were made before he got hired. Yeah, it was it was actually like I believe in like 2008. It's been a while like and he was banned from like I believe it was USA Volleyball, which is part of like the Olympic Committee. He was banned and he recently got unbanned. That's crazy though cuz it's 2008. Yeah, it's, yeah. Yeah, I mean 11 years ago. Yeah, it was a pretty random story, you know. I'm not into, like, conspiracies or anything, but I just think the timing is very interesting. Like, right around the championship time, it's like somebody must have said something. Uh, okay, wait, so when did he get hired? He got hired in 2017, which is the same year that Andy got hired. Okay. But I feel like that he got – like, usually coaches will get hired in the summer before the season, and Andy was hired in the fall. So I'm still not 100% sure how that worked out. And they don't do like background checks. That's why um, we're we're we should probably we we will investigate that more, and see what went wrong. Mm -hmm. But maybe just the information wasn't out there. Yeah. Yeah. That's really interesting. Yeah, pretty pretty random story to come out. <laughs> I was shocked. Well, I trust you and Brian and the whole sports team. Probably gonna look into this. Get an investigative team going. Yeah, we'll, like, we'll be the ones to, to break it down and get that fat headline. And that's a podcast. Yay! Yay. 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 Yay.